As I mentioned last week, we have a special guest and a special message. And so if you can give a very warm welcome to Pastor Faith. Love you, man. Thank you for being here. Wow, man. Honored. Um, some people like to call me on tough guy, but uh, <laughs> as I get through the message, uh, if, if I start to tear up for the guys in the house, I just want you to know that warriors cry too. So, uh, God, it's so good seeing you. <clears throat> what an honor it is to be here. Uh, I was talking with Rick uh, and uh, flew. My wife and I haven't been home for a month. We're in Oregon doing ministry there and playing softball. And then doing ministry at some churches up there too. And then, uh, you know, Rick threw the invitation. and It's a blessing to be on your Aina. Thank you for allowing my wife and I to, to share our hearts with many of you over the last few days. I just want to let you know that and I know you know this. We're living in the end times. And I don't ever want you to think that you're, on, you're the only one being shook. All of us are being shaken. Individually, young people, marriages. We're all being shook. And that's the title of my message, Godly Shaking. I'm going to start it off by giving three different types of shaking. The first one is one of my political heroes, and you're going to know him as soon as I say his name, but it's Abraham Lincoln. And many people, I remember standing next to a statue in Washington, D.C. It was like really hair-raising. I was just like, wow, honest Abe. But many people don't know the story of Abraham Lincoln. And how he was shook. You know, as a youth, he retreated. He was an introvert. So he retreated to books and reading. And his skills of reading and writing was remarkable. Because he didn't get along with too many people. And both his parents, his mom and his dad, were manic, depressive people. He related that what kept him in the right direction was his humility and his faith in God. As a young man. And even as he became president, people used to freak out because he appointed his adversaries, people who shook him. They didn't agree with. He put him into office in his cabinet just so he wouldn't have yes people around him. And he stated this. This is his words. I've been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom that... And all about me seemed insufficient for the day that I was living. And many of you might be in that day, in that moment, in that season. Whatever you're thinking or feeling. You see, the fruit of his shaking as a young boy, a young man, and even as president going through civil war. The fruit was this young black man called Booker T. Washington, who was born into slavery. He became an educator. He became an advisor to presidents. Between 1918, excuse me, 1890 and 1915. And this is what Booker said. He said, I learned that success is to be measured not so much by a position. One has reached in life, (laughs) but by obstacles, which one has overcome while trying to succeed. You see, if it wasn't for Abe's struggle, This young man, Booker T., never would have been free. And so there's fruit of the shaking. Some of you are too young. The second shaking is a national shaking. I was still a police officer when this happened. My wife and I were both working in Honolulu Police Department. December 11th, 9-11. I remember I was going on duty and I saw the towers come down. I was putting my uniform on, and I was just tripping. Like, wow. And for those of you who are old enough and and remember that day, I remember there was like a national shaking. 
I remember on the news, CNN, ABC, NBC, they all were saying, oh my God. They didn't know who God was. <laughs> but the words came out of their mouth. Oh my God. And it led me to Psalm 33, 12. And the psalmist David, I believe, wrote this. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. I don't know if you ever thought about this or meditated on it, even knew about this. There's only two countries in the history of humanity that have been based on God. The first one is Israel, God's chosen people. And the second one is the United States of America when the pilgrims came over in the 1600s to escape religious oppression in Europe. So it's not a coincidence our nation has been great because of that, founded on the Word, on the Bible, the primary book of every schoolhouse up until the early 1900s. And now we can't even bring it on campus in public school. Shook. And then, of course, the most recent one we've all experienced, the global shaking of covid and all that stuff. Little babies thinking masks are normal. Never seen another human's face. No smiles, no scorns, no laughter, no crying. The mask. And you see, shaking is part of this earthly realm. If you have your Bibles... We'll be going through Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 29. And Father, as we embark on your word, I, I constantly pray for my life and those that you allow me to pour into that your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And God, may we take it one step further. I've been crying. I want to wear it around my neck like that thick west side gold necklace with the big crucifix. People looking at it and then they want it, they desire it, they're envious of this big gold thing. I want your word to be that. That people desire it, God. Be envious, seek it. And we begin to share it. We need your word, God. We need your truth. So bless us by your word this morning, God. Give us direction. Every one of us in this room are broken. And we need a touch, God. So would you touch us in our individual way, like only you can. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people say? I'll, I'll read verses 22 through 29, and then I'll break it down. And I'll share my heart with uh, what God has given me to share with you. In verse 20, I'm reading out of the New King James. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the innumerable company of, an, of angels. Verse 23, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, Jesus, who are registered or enrolled in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men and women made perfect. 24, to Jesus, the mediator, of the new covenant, to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks better than things that of, of Abel. Verse 25. To see that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Verse 26. Whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shall shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Verse 27. Now this, yet one more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken. As of, <clears throat> excuse me, as of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God as acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For God is a consuming fire. Shaking is part of the plan. 
This earth will be shaken, its dominoes falling for the coming of the king. Nothing can stop it. Our cries, systems, governments. Soon and very soon we will see the king. And when you start to ponder that, I want you to understand that right in the beginning in verse 22, God gives us this vision that we're all part of and sometimes we lose focus of it. We're part of this assembly. In the Greek, that term means panagoras. It means the universal companionship, the kononia. But yet how many times you and I, we we neglect it. Ah, they're not going to miss me. I got nothing good to give. I'm just small part. Ah, I don't have no value. And God tells you and I today, today is that we're part of this companionship, this assembly. And I want you to notice that you and I have a choice to believe that we are part of this kingdom. That's your choice. That's my choice. Not only in heaven, but here on earth. Some people float into heaven way too early. And there were no earthly good. We have fireproof. But God wants us, you on, online, to be his hands and feet. Who else is going to be it? I'm really moved by that. And, and, and notice in, in verse 23, it says, To the general assembly and to the church of firstborn Jesus, who are registered, enrolled in heaven. Oh my God, because of Jesus, you and I are enrolled in heaven. Our names are written in the book of life by his blood. We're stained. They can't erase it. Nobody can erase it. Not even the great accuser that we know as Lucifer. We can be shaken, but not erased. It's because of his blood. We're enrolled, my loved ones. We're enrolled in heaven. Don't ever think of that as a small thing. You see, God in his wisdom and in his creativity, he made Mount Sinai for the Old Testament saints. He gave that to Israel. And he gave Mount Zion to us on the cross of Golgotha. He gave us the New Testament through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. One of grace, not of following this and following that and wanting to be that, but by the blood of the Lamb. Never forget it. You want to overcome your stuff right now in your life? John wrote this, Revelation 12, 11. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. Your stories mean something. If you hear voices in your head, that is a secret, don't you? Oh, be ashamed, be guilty. That's not God. Don't ever be ashamed of yourself. Be guilty of yourself. Because God is about conviction. He's about repentance. He's about salvation. He's not about shame. Shame on you. Gavel, gavel. <laughs> I saw you. No, that's not God. That's us. That's our own feelings. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Because you and I, as we were singing, I love it. You have a great worship team. Praise the Lord. Don't take that for granted. Great sound. Woo. But because of Jesus, you and I can boldly come to God with no fear, no doubt, no excuses. Stop. All of us Americans can write volumes of excuses. Stop. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. God is able, amen? I've been sharing this over and over with people. Here's a really simple choice you have. Get sucked into your situation, your feelings, your thoughts, your perception of things around you, or you choose, thus saith the Lord. His plans for me are good. I may not understand it, but I I cling to that. It's not of evil, but of peace. I cling to his promises. I want to tell you what, that's the only way I've been walking with him for 34 years. It's so much easier not to walk with him. But God is good. And he cares. You see, the Lord's blood is even, it goes on and talks about Abel. What do do they mean by that? Abel gave a gift to God, which was acceptable compared to his brother Cain. And the writer of Hebrew, who I think is Paul, but that's debatable, tells us 
that the blood of Christ is even greater than the first acceptable tithing of Abel. The blood of Jesus is more acceptable than that first gift of Abel. It's greater. Look what it's done to your life and my life. There is no program, no church, no system, no steps that can change your heart. It's Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is given to us by the blood spilt on the cross. It released it. Released Him so He could minister to us. Even in small things. In verse 25 and 26, it's like, wow. Wow. What, what happens when you and I refuse the truth of God? Because we're all shook up. What a great privilege. And when you and I are privileged, you know the term Christian, I really don't like it anymore because everybody's a Christian. J-dubs, Mormons, right? Poke a tattoo, put a sticker, wave a big neck thing. Man, I'm a Christian. I mean, everybody's a Christian. I like the words believers or followers. I like that. I like that. But when you think about that great privilege you and I, can say to the world, I believe in Jesus as God and Lord and Savior. That's a great privilege. But remember this. With great privilege, become, has great responsibility. Remember when Spider-Man's uncle told him that? With great power comes great responsibility. That's biblical. Hollywood messed up. They threw something biblical in there. <laughs> they didn't even realize. I was like, yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so when you, when you start to ponder this great responsibility we have, or not, you see, we can have the second choice, to refuse Jesus and to be separated from God forever and ever. Amen. That's forever. People have asked me before, what do you think is the greatest miracle of God? And you think, you go, whoo, he created everything. How big is he? The whole universe is in his hand. Like, gee, that's pretty big. And I started to pray and think about that question. And I got the answer. Holy Spirit gave me this. The greatest miracle of God is when one of us accepts him as Lord and Savior. Because throughout all creation, only you and I have the choice, the free will to choose. Everything else, God speaks, and it was, and was good. But you and I have the choice to go. There are young people in the house, right? It's amazing how powerful this is, yeah, to the young people. I want more friends. Are they going to visit you in the hospital? No. But they're my friends. They ain't your friends. Just a, it's make-believe. It's like Disneyland, the happiest place in the world. Try to go there today. You got like two miles of homeless before you get to the entrance of Disneyland. And then you don't know what you're going to see in Disneyland nowadays. You don't, you don't know what you're going to see in there, right? And so when you start thinking about this earth and the choices we have, Just know that you and I sitting here, standing here, ministering in the other room, online, whatever, we are the greatest miracles of God. That's why he calls us the pearls of great price in the parable of Jesus. There are no excuses. When you and I, uh, I used to tell in churches back in the day, well, when we stand before God, he's going to put the DVD of our life in front of him, and we, what excuse? Look at that thought you had. Look at that word you said. Look at what you did. But now it's not DVD, it's everything's digital, right? So it's like, okay, God will have a digital thing going. There's no excuses that we're going to give God. So stop doing it here on earth. And at the same time, look, I have compassion because I'm experiencing like you. Our feelings and our situations are real. But they're not necessarily true. They're real. But can we see the truth of thus saith the Lord through our stuff? That's the battle. 
That's the shaking. That's the wrestling with God. You see, today, it's an amazing time we live in. Can I hear an amen? It's exciting. There's never been a time like this. Everything is high-paced, fast-moving. I believe we're on the two-yard line and we're ready to score the touchdown. And that touchdown is Jesus coming back. We're in the fourth quarter. Two minutes left, those of us who play football. You see, it is interesting where we're living in this time. Very exciting. And yet today I'm looking at the world as my wife and I travel and we do our thing. I see people seeking religion. People go, oh, you're so religious, Faith, from one street kid in Kalihi. I ain't religious. I'm the first one. Wet paint? (laughs) Don't step on the grass? (laughs) I'm the first one. Even with a cup with a badge, it's like, this is the root. Man, this guy look at me wrong. Crap. I mean, it's, no. I'm not religious. I'm in love. I'm in love with Jesus. And that's what keeps me. There's no rules that can keep me. Not this guy. No rules. I know my wife is back there going, hey, man, <laughs> rules don't work on you. I love you, honey. So when you start thinking about people today seeking religion, technology, oh, for you parents who have young ones still, try take their phone away. You will see the ultimate anger. You will see a whole barrel of emotions. And yet when I was young, you give me a stick. I'm a gladiator. I'm a warrior. I'm a whatever. I'm a tazan, whatever it is. I could play with a stick. Today, you take the phone away. Ooh. But I got to say, it's helped me too. What is the verse in the book of? Instead of going through all my volumes, right? <laughs> it's, it's cheating. <laughs> it's cheating. But it helps. But people are seeking religion, technology, personal coping skills. That's work, especially as you age out and your tool, toolbox on your hip. From all the different situations he was in, Worked in the past, we pull it out and we rely on that instead of God and His wisdom and His direction. You know what's sad today is in the next five years, if He tarries, the Lord tarries, people who are mutilating our kids and their bodies and the young people because of some confusion. Let me just tell the young guys and girls in here or online. When I was your age, I was confused too. (laughs) But I wouldn't chop up my body because of that confusion. In the next few years, we're going to have a bunch of young people, middle-aged people, who will find out that that was not the answer. And they still got stuck. It's going to be a sad time. And so all this stuff that the world is throwing at us, and yet we know that one day all of us will face... You ever hear this? All roads lead to God. I agree with that statement. All roads do lead to God. Everyone will face Jesus. But not all roads lead to heaven. That's going to be bad. When he looks and he says, I never knew you. What? I said the our father, the Hill Marys. Yeah, but you had three girlfriends and your wife had five kids at home and then and then. That's going to be terrible. Terrible. Let me ask you this question, and I wish I could go around the room and get your heart, but you just have to hear my thoughts on it because this is my Bible study that I share with you. But think about this question. Why is it a struggle for humans, you and I, to submit to God. Think about that. Why do you struggle to submit to God? And I'm sure, ladies, you have different ideas than men, but I'm going to give you a man's perspective, my perspective, which still might be different from a lot of the guys in the room. This is why Fabian struggles to submit. Pride of myself very prideful kid. 
from the streets to the first college graduate to a police commander. What are you going to tell me, man? What are you going to tell me? All right? Owning my own business. What are you going to tell me? Sometimes I don't have eyes to see him because I'm caught in the midst of my stuff. And so I can't submit because I don't see. And honestly, at times I don't want to give up my authority. I'm an American and I have rights. And we were, since kids, from our little kid days going through school, we were pounded with our rights. Right? Rights, rights. But how about God's left? No, no. <laughs> but sometimes we got to lay down our rights and give it to Him. And you know what? Sometimes when I have these, my wife and I call it critical conversations, when I have it with her, I know I'm right. I know I'm right. But I still should be loving. And sometimes I know she's right. <laughs> and I don't like it. <laughs> but we got to get to a place where we're giving up to the true authority of God's word. This is the truth that sets us free. You know, it's amazing, and I only know this because our son is in the Coast Guard. He's been eight years now. And I remember going to his graduation in Cape May, New Jersey, and they gave us this. So I'm, I'm banking on the military, not lying. But they said only 1% of our young people in America sign up, volunteer. 1%. Why? It's all what I just said. Pride. You don't want to be submitted. You don't want to give up authority. So our young people don't serve our country. You see, when you look at Mount Zion, the mountain that God gave us on Golgotha's day of crucifixion, that's a perfect finished work of Jesus. I don't care what you think, what you've said, what you've done, even if you got in the way with it. <laughs> I don't even care. What you have to realize, thus saith the Lord, the cross is the perfect, finished work of Jesus. He said it, right? Father, it is finished. That's one of the seven things he said. It is finished. Into thy hands I release my spirit. And you look at the world and, and in people's lives and you're like, wow. Look at the world today. They don't know what to make sense of the shaking that God's doing. The three things I told you, individually, countries, and globally. God's shaking things up. In fact, the writer in Psalm quotes Haggai 2.6, where God says, I'm going to shake things up. And what needs to be shook needs to be shook. And what remains is what is real. You look at not only your church, but my church too. In COVID, there was a lot of shaking, man. A lot of shaking. I'm going to tell you, I'm not dissing anybody who don't come back to church who wants to go online Various reasons, that's, that's on you, whatever. But I'm going to tell you, if you're online and that's all you do, all you're getting from whoever's up here is teaching. When you come here, you're this assembly, the fellowship, the kononia, the ohana, the mana is shared, right? That's what you miss out on. Teaching is not enough, according to this word today. God said you're enrolled in an assembly, not only in heaven, but on earth. Take advantage of it. Make sense of it for your stuff. And yet, question two for you to ponder. When your life and my life is shook, where will we be standing? Where will you stand when you're being shaken? It's so challenging to think about. I just want to encourage you Wherever you are when you're being shaken, be sure it's safe and it's secure. That sounds like Jesus. Wherever you are when you're, when you're shook and we're being squeezed, 
Make sure Holy Spirit is being poured out. You see, let me tell you from my heart to you, and this is, like I said, my study, and God's convicting me on this. I cannot come before you and say, I love you if I don't have love. I cannot look at you and go, sister, I want to be graceful to you, and I don't have grace. I cannot look upon you and say, I have compassion. I understand your situation, and I don't have compassion. I can't give it. You can't fake those things. You got to desire it. You got to have it. Holy Spirit gives it to you, and then you share it, and that's what you and I get in the assembly, not just online or on the radio. That's what Paul says. Don't forsake the assembly of the saints. He knew it. He knew how important that was and is till today. Hmm. I'm going through the book of Daniel in, in my mini church back in Honolulu. And um, Daniel chapter 7 verse 25 tells us, here's the plan of the devil in the end times. It says, he comes to wear us down. And when you look in the Greek idea of those words, because the English doesn't do it total justice, it means, the wear down means, excuse me, in the Hebrew. Thank, thank you, honey. Yes, Daniel's Old Testament. It's good to have her around. So when you look at the Hebrew, the definition of wear down is continuously harass. You wonder how your life is going? The plan of the enemy is to continually harass. Daniel tells us that. Why? He wants to break the people of the Most High. He wants to confuse us, send us into chaos. That's what he wants. That's his plan. Bella is the Hebrew word. To wear us down. Constantly harass. And notice the world today, as I mentioned, it's so fast, huh? Things are changing so fast. One day you're a man, the next day you're a woman and you're competing. <laughs> I don't like popping names, but I have a, not a close friend, I'll call him an acquaintance. His name is Kelly Slater. I surf with him every once in a while. My friend is his real good friend. The guy who makes my surfboards is his real good friend. And so we're surfing and I'm looking at Kelly and he wants so, he's 51, but he wants to win his 12th world title. It's ridiculous. Guys are 20, just flipping. And, but Kelly still can do those things. I, I was real close. The last time I saw him, I was going to tell him, Kelly, just put Roxy shorts on. Use a halter top and go to the beach one day and go, oh, ladies, I'm here. I'm feeling soft today. You'll win your 12th title. I guarantee you, you're good enough to beat any woman, Kelly. I wanted to. I was so close. <laughs> but God held my tongue back, right? But it's ridiculous that when you look at the world, how fast things are changing. It's the most craziest thing. Sometimes I fall on my knees, and I, re I remember when I was like in the fifth grade, and Aloha Tower was the tallest building in Honolulu. And my dad worked on mats and ships. I used to go see him, oh, and you're at the tallest building. And then, you guys remember the Ohawai Five-O? Da-da-da-da-da-da. McGarrett, Ilikai. Now that thing looked like a little condominium. The Ely Kai Hotel. <laughs> There's just monstrosities now. Everything is so fast. Moving quick. Even your island. Oh my gosh. I'm at Rick's and Chris's house and every night I look, it looks like a dragon coming up your road. All the cars. I'm like, oh, it's kind of Chinese. Bro. <laughs> it's a trip. Even your island. How it's just from, I don't know, a couple of years I've been here. Oh, last year at Lane's celebration, my wife and I came out. And you're just moving here too in, in a quick pace. And what are we going to do with that? Except understand that God's will will not be stopped. And Hebrews 13, verse 8 tells us this. And this is what we cling to. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's that's our sure foundation. That's what brings us back on and going in the right direction. Let's look at verse 27 as I begin to wind down here. By faith, excuse me, 
Wrong. Blew it away. Verse 27. Now, this, yes, once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. So God has a plan with this whole earth thing going on. You guys ever saw a picture, or maybe you enter a high-end office, and the CEO or the lawyer, he has this little instrument on his desk, and it's five stainless steel balls. It's called Newton's Cradle. If you take one ball and you go, Foom, the transfer of the physics, the transfer of energy goes through the three balls, hits the other ball, and the other one flies just as high as the outside ball. You guys ever saw that? Newton's cradle. Sir Isaac Newton invented that. And he was trying to put the law of physics in that thing. And here's the challenge for you and I. Real happy is one spectrum. Hit the ball, the three in the middle. This other end, real sad, mad, whatever. Three balls in the middle. Here's the key. You and I, as believers, we like be the three balls. We will be shaken, but not greatly. We don't mind the... We don't want to be like, ah! Because you're going to come down. <laughs> Guaranteed. And you will come down off of this end, too. And so when you start to picture this Newton's cradle, you understand that the promises that God gives us with our responsibility, even though we're, we're shaking, even in our own personal situations, guess what? Here's God's plan. From the bottom of my heart, I'm sharing this with you. He wants us to rely on Jesus Christ, no one else, nothing else but Him. And I'm so encouraged by that because I'm noticing God will pressure test things. Those of us who ever worked with pressure, not to crush, but to have the fineness of what's reliable and well. Just like fine gold, right? Scrape the dross, scrape the dross, burn, 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 scrape. God is pressure testing things to take away things that cannot pass the test. You wonder why Christians pop out of churches so readily nowadays. What happened to that brother and sister? I don't know, they don't come anymore. The pressure testing is getting to them. It's got nothing to do with church. It's got everything to do with their relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if Jesus is in you, you're going to want to be part of the assembly. Whatever church that is. Whatever home fellowship that is. Whatever it is for you. Wherever you're comfortable in. You see, the church, guess what? The church is the starting point of God's shaking. He wants that perfect bride. That's what God wants. And the attacks in the church are real, including us. You put titles on us. You can call us pastors, elders, bishops. Don't call me a priest. But you can put whatever title, but stuff happens to me and to everybody else in leadership. You see, testing happens to everyone. Why? Because it's a barometer of our strength and who we have our foundation in. Psalm 62, 2 says this. He only is my rock, my salvation, my stronghold, and I will not be greatly shaken. Thus saith the Lord. That's a promise. That's true. That is straight up God giving us. So in the last two verses, 28 and 29, all these things out of gratitude, Charis, the kindness by which God gives us all these things that influences our souls. We get to the point where we understand that only Holy Spirit can change our views about ourselves. Everybody, eyes on me. Think about this. Every day, I do it every day because I need it. But every day you look and you step in front of your spiritual mirror and God goes, Fabian, this is who you are without me. I'm going, ooh And then I step away. I'm like, what am I going to do with that? 
I realized that Fabian can't do nothing with that. It's got to be Holy Spirit. You ever strive to do good and be good? And we are for a little bit. And then something happens and we, we're not good anymore. We got to stop striving. We have to start clinging to the hope we have in Christ. And it's a living hope. Don't hope for something tomorrow. No, 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 no. Today, grab to Christ. Let him be your living hope and watch things unfold according to his will for you and I. That's living hope that he gives us. You see, our, our hope is because of King Jesus. Short story, now, wind down. But, you know, the wind down for pastors sometimes takes a while. But I was in my cousin's church in Independence, Oregon, right outside of Salem. I spoke, and then the next week, my wife and I, she rented up, found a beautiful home on the coast of Washington and Oregon, and we took some family members. We were up there, and just enjoying the moment that we came back down, and my cousin taught, and I love it when he teaches, and I was under just absorbing and just like meditating on what he was sharing, and at the end, they, they have, she, she's not a true homeless person per se, but she's a bag lady. She lives in a shelter, but if you drive around the small town of Independence, she's on every corner, different signage, stop sign. She's on the next corner, yield sign, <laughs> you know? And her name is Rhonda. She's not the cleanest person, but she sits in front and she takes copious notes of whoever is teaching. I was blowing my mind. I was teaching, she was like, she got glasses, this pretty little smile, Caucasian lady, and she's just like, and when my cousin was done teaching, Holy Spirit said, go pray over Rhonda. And I was like, hmm? I was like, okay, Lord. One, she's a woman. Two, she's kind of dirty. Three, I am not comfortable. This is not really my church. Maybe one of the other leaders should do it. Not me. So I'm wrestling in the back of the church, and God's like, go pray over Rhonda. So they have, like, next week you're going to have Ohana lunch, right? So they have that. Rhonda has her plate. I'm like, okay, Lord, here we go. I tap her on the shoulder and she looks up. I go, Rhonda, would you be uncomfortable if I prayed for you? And she said, I would love if you prayed over me. I was like, oh, Lord. So I go on my knees in front of Rhonda. I lay my hands on her and I start to pray for her. And I got more out of that than Rhonda. I left that church going, Lord, I did something so uncomfortable. But God, I saw him. I felt him. I experienced him. It wasn't even about Rondo. It was about me and my shepherd asking me in loving kindness to be his hands and feet. I will never forget that. I will take that to heaven with me. And so you look at your life here on earth. How do you and I receive God's kingdom here on earth in our own lives? I'm going to give you four Ps for those of you online and taking notes. This is how we receive God's kingdom. First P, we live by his promises. God's a promise keeper, ain't he? Amen? Can't lie. Keeps every promise. So the promise is given. First P. Second P. We live by the principles of life in his word. The principles of life in his word. That makes us who we are. To come in now. The principles of his life. The third P. We yearn for the power of Holy Spirit. Only that miraculous power can change our hearts and our situations. I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart. And the fourth P, protection. Especially for the guys in the house. We're called, we got DNA to be protectors, providers. 
But this protection, only God can give. The godly protection of his own kids. And when we're protected by him, guess what? We're in acceptable service. We submit. We understand the glory of God. I love it. When you think of Proverbs 18.10, it says the name of the Lord, Adonai, Yahweh, Yehovah, Jesus, Jesus, Parakletos, Holy Spirit. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into and they are safe. Not that we're holy, but we're just desiring to be safe. And because of Jesus, we're righteous. One of my favorite guys that I kind of read and meditate on is Charles Spurgeon. They call him the Prince of Preachers. And Spurgeon writes this, with Jesus as our monarch, check that, we're not going to have a republic or democracy when he comes back. Amen? We're going to have one king. <laughs> the government will rest on his shoulders. I love it. No confusion, no cheating. No cheating on voting and all that stuff. None of that, no conspiracy. But Spurgeon says, with Jesus as our monarch, we fear no revolution, no anarchy, for our Lord hath established his kingdom upon a rock, and it cannot be moved or removed. I don't care what the devil tries to do, how much technology, power this world has. It can't shake Christ. He has already won the victory. So today, let us choose to be in awe of God. Not to take his grace for granted. You know, right now we're breathing, right? We're stretching. We're, oh, we're, oh, oh. All our brain and body is working real good. We take all that for granted, right? But that's a gift. It's given to us. All that could stop. You see, God's grace will always be upon us. Even when we sin, he still loves us. All the way to our last ha, when it's all over. He'll give us all that our whole lives to get it right. That's his grace. And that's his love. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 16 through 45, Elijah knew God in a personal way. And you know the story. Servants of Baal on one side, Elijah just by him side. Hey, let's put water. Let's call out and let fire come. And God was Elijah's consuming fire. It gives me great comfort to realize this about my life, that my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has consumed all the fires of my sin on the cross my sins from my past, my sins of the now, and my sins to come. That cross consumed all my sins and your sins. Don't ever forget that. It is sufficient. It is finished. I'm going to close with awesome privilege of our lifetime, anyway, to have this man whose name was Billy Graham. I'm going to close with some of his thoughts. And this is an encouragement for you as we leave this place today. Walk with God as Noah did. When the flood came, Noah was saved amidst the scorn and rejection of his neighbors. Walk with God as Moses did in the solitude of the desert. When the hour of judgment fell upon Egypt, Moses was prepared to lead his people to victory. Walk with God as David did, as a shepherd boy. When he was called to rule his people, he was prepared for the task of his kingship. Walk with God as Daniel and his three young friends did in the palace of the Babylonian king. When the fiery furnace and the lions then came, God was there to deliver them. God has not promised to deliver us from trouble, but he has promised to go with us through the trouble. So when you're, on, when you're shaking, this is my wife's thought. I love it. 
When you're shaken, these are clouds that are blocking our view from God. But God tells us those clouds will move one day and you'll see God behind the cloud. He's allowing the cloud for you and I for a purpose. We may not understand it, but remember this. You and I aren't called to understand all things. We're called to trust Him in all things. Amen? Where will our trust lie when the clouds come? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because Lord Jesus, you are with me. I was sharing this with Pastor Rick, and I'll close Psalm 73, 23. I love that. God emblazed that on my heart just recently. And it starts like this. Nevertheless, it doesn't matter about us. Nevertheless, here's God's promise. You ready? And you take this. Here's a gem. I'm going to throw it to you. You can keep it. I'm not even charge you. You can keep it. Catch it. Use it. Nevertheless, nevertheless, God tells us, I will continuously be with you. Always. Always. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord makes his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lifts up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. God bless you. Thank you for having me. Aloha.